As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to another edition of the Pugging Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire of The Athletic. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We have a big show for you coming up. Joseph Diaz Jr., one of the most exciting fighters in the sport, 130-pound champion. He fights Shafkat Rakhimov Saturday on the zone, and he's going to join us to break down the fight, the drama with Tevin Farmer, and much, much more. And then Lance and I are going to break down the stacked 130-pound division and try to make sense of who's going to come out and rise to the top when all is said and done. So if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, rate, review. And now, let's get into the show. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. It's creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only, seems the only like a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Lance, um, I think this fight card is really fly under the radar, but Joseph Diaz Jr., Shafkat Rakimov, to me... That is a can't-miss action fight between two pressure fighters, two guys, one loss between them, both in the top 10. Obviously, Joseph Diaz Jr. is a title holder, and he's a guy you've followed for a long time in the Southern California scene, writing for the LA Times and everything. And then the co-feature I look at, Brian Castaño, Patrick Teixeira. I mean, that to me has fight of the year written all over it. That's a co-feature. Um, I can't wait. Props to Golden Boy for making a great card. And... I, you know, it's going up against Joe Smith Jr. of last off on ESPN, but to me, it's a no-brainer that the, the zone card is the stronger one. Lance, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? I mean, obviously, I think that the rise to championship level by Joseph Diaz Jr. is the leading story. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, kind of like was just, hey, he, he took on this nice guy persona, Mike, and I think he kind of realized that nice guys finish last if you don't kind of step up and and speak your mind. And once he started doing that, and in addition to growing into his body, a la Shakur Stevenson, you know, he he uh, set, uh, stepped aside from that, you know, that kid's body and has really kind of filled out impressively. His power has increased. And I'm really intrigued, you know, on the heels of his gutty championship win over Tevin Farmer, uh, how he's going to look here in this fight against this Russian. I mean, I think it, it lays the groundwork for JoJo to step in there with you know this incredibly deep division that includes Miguel Burchell and Jamel Herring and Gervonta Davis. And no doubt about it, Jojo Diaz is a significant player in this division. I think he's going to stamp himself 
accordingly. So for me, again, like you said, um, covered mo- covering most of his journey, um, you know, from where he was in the 2012 Olympics. Uh, it's just been a, a story worth um, keeping track of. And and JoJo is a really a self-made man. And I think that this is exactly, um, you know, what you want to see out of a boxer, a guy who just, you know, he's got some natural talent, but he also works his ass off to maximize that. What yeah, about you, Mike? Well, I mean, for me, I think one thing that's interesting, Shafkat Rakamov, not known to American fight fans, but this guy's pretty good. Top 10 in the ring. He's trained by Freddie Roach. With uh, Agus Klamis uh, on the management side, he's a pressure fighter, comes forward strong, physical. This is a worthy title defense, uh, a rare mandatory title defense that's worthy, Lance. And I think it's going to be a really, really good fight. Um, Rakamov's undefeated, um, and I think it's going to be an action fight. Two guys are going to come straight forward right in the middle of the ring. Jojo Diaz in his first main event, I think he's earned it. I think that, you know that Tevin Farmer fight was eye-opening. He brought it right to Tevin. Tevin was the favorite, and Diaz won clearly. So he's going to have to build off that. If he wants to be a star, and I think as our listeners are going to see when JoJo joins the show, this guy has a lot of charisma. He's going to have to win in an exciting fight, and hopefully for his sake, he gets the knockout. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And like I said, I mean, the thing that's so great about this division is that it's like this entire month is taken up with 130-pound division uh, title fights. I mean, next week... We're going to have uh, Miguel Burchell against former featherweight champion Oscar Valdez. Then on the 27th, you're going to have Jamel Herring um, traveling to the UK to take on Northern Ireland's uh, you know, former two-division champion Carl Frampton. You have Gervonta Davis. Uh, we need to talk about this claim that he made on Twitter about having a broken hand and being out for a year. And then also, it's still possible, Mike, that we could see you know, Leo Santa Cruz and the return of Vasily Lomachenko in this division too. So it's really, I mean, as much as we've been talking lately about the lightweight division, the 130 pound division is stacked. I mean, let me ask you, I mean, what are your thoughts right now? If you had to say this guy's the best in the division, who would you say? Right now in this division, I think you would have to, I mean, if we're, I think you have to go with Gervonta Davis, you know, as the, as the guy who's proven the most um, mm-hmm. in boxing right now. But at 130 pounds, you know, Tank often fights at 135. I think Jojo Diaz is going to have a real chance on Saturday to prove that he's the best at 130 pounds. He mm-hmm. can do so with a big definitive victory. And like you said, if he can make a statement, I think he can do that. But now, Lance, we're going to have Jojo Diaz join the show and tell us why he, I'm sure, is the best 130 pounder in the world. Jojo, thank you so much for joining us. First off, um, how excited are you to have your first title defense? I know it's been a long wait. Man, I'm real excited. I'm anxious. Uh, after the Tevin Farmer victory um, in 2020, I thought, you know, uh, sky was a lemon and I thought I was going to, you know, defend my title uh, two or three times that year. Uh, but, you know, things happened, the COVID happened and uh, this pandemic hit where we had to, you know, take some time off and it delayed uh, it, delayed it, man. It was, a, it was a major setback, but I was very, very fortunate, man. Just everything just fell into place in, in my career and in my life where that break was well needed. Um, I was able to take some time off and, you know, take care of my pregnant girlfriend at the time and make sure that, she, that my, my baby and her were extremely healthy, ended up having a kid, uh, in November. And, um, that's when I got the phone call that we were getting a fight date in February, man. And after that, man, that's when I really, really locked in. I think it was re- really, really beneficial for myself because, Throughout my whole career, man, I've just been active. I've been active just training every single year. 
uh, very, very focused fighting two, three times a year, man. So I've been, I've been on a, you know, real disciplined uh, streak for about eight years now. So that year layoff, I feel like was really, really beneficial for me mentally, but both physically as well, because uh, my body was able to get that rest. And uh, when I went back to the gym man, I just felt rejuvenated and, um, it's just making me more eager. It's making me more hungry to just go out there and, and perform and, and finally, you know, defend my title. And uh, now that I'm in event, man, it's even it's even more static, man. I just can't wait to go out there, man. This is this right here is actually my prime and this is my time. So I trained really, really hard and I'm very, very focused for this fight and I'm ready to go out there and perform. Yeah, lots of changes for you, Jojo. Um, new management. You're now a champion for the first time. You're a dad for the first time. And the listeners can't see you, but the multicolored hair is gone and the dark hair is back. Yeah, but uh, I think the multicolored hair is going to be back for fight night, man. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm done it again. That's great. Joe, I mean, we were just talking about it before the show started and obviously have covered so many of your fights, both at Fantasy Springs and elsewhere. I mean, from the Olympic time. It's been such a joy to to follow your career. But honestly, like after the loss, I think you came back with like a new attitude. And it was not just a new attitude. It was like uh, there was a physical element to it because you were it seemed like you were a better boxer as well. Can you discuss that transformation that you made? Yeah, well, I was fighting at 126. 122, I started as my professional career. And um, in the amateurs too, man, I fought at 123 pounds and I was fighting at 123 pounds from the age of 16 all the way to the age of 24, 23, I believe. And then that's when I moved up to 26, but my body was just still developing and I was getting older and my body was maturing where it was kind of, you know, getting harder for me to make the weight. Um, I ended up, you know, trying to fight uh, Gary Russell at 126 pounds. My body just wasn't there. Um, it was hard for me to make the weight, but when I didn't make the weight, I was, you know, when I, when I took that chance, when I fought him, the opportunity was there, but I wasn't taking as much risk and I wasn't taking as much chances as I should have. I should have, you know, just embraced that moment and, you know, risked it all. Like how I, like how I did with the Tevin Farmer fight. And I think I learned a lot, both mentally and physically, you know, um, just dealing with all that, dealing with all the adversity, dealing with, you know, that, that major setback with the Gary Russell loss. Boxing is a very, very tough sport where, where you lose, man. A lot of people, they forget about you or they think that, you know, you're not the talent that they thought you were. So they, they put you, you know, way below the, um, way below uh, on the, on the lineup, getting you on, you know, uh, horrible cards and, you know, not giving you the publicity or not giving you the recognition that you deserve. And at that time, man, it was re re really, really struggling for me because I knew the potential that I had and I knew what I was capable of doing. Um, so it was, it was a very, very rough, rough time and rough, uh, point in my life. But thankfully, man, I just, you know, still focused and still determined. I ended up, uh, talking to my team, telling them that I wanted to move up and wait, I think it will be better for me. We ended up moving up in weight and um, I ended up, you know, just staying locked in, man. And just knowing that, yeah, these uh, <clears throat> these opportunities are going to be coming again. I'm going to get that opportunity. I'm going to get that road title again. Uh, I know that it's not showing right now, but as long as I, you know, just stay active, get these fights and push forward, I'm going to get a road title shot again. We'll be back right in a minute after we hear from one of our sponsors. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? 
then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Talk to me about the um, the challenge that you face now with Shavkat. I mean, obviously, you were so effective in your victory against Tevin Farmer, overcoming a cut to become a world champion, and now you get this first title defense. What do you? What can you say about the matchup? What most concerns you, and why will you win? Uh, Rockamoff, he's a hell of a fighter. He's a very, very dangerous fighter. He's going to apply a lot of pressure. He's good on his feet, trying to move side to side, and uh, he throws a lot of straight punches. He tries to rely on his power a lot uh, to try to break you down and overwhelm you. Um, I think it's going to be a very, very exciting fight for the five fans because he's going to be coming forward and I'm going to be showing what I'm capable of of doing and why I'm champion and why I'm going to remain champion. And that's going to, you know, break him down to the body, break him down to the head, use my combinations, use my speed, use my experience. I feel like it's going to be one of the key factors as well. The experience that I have inside that ring uh, as a professional is going to really be one of the key factors um, for me, you know, being victorious that night because I feel like uh, he has 15 fights, 12 KOs, but I'm, I'm his toughest fight. He's not my toughest fight. I've been, I've been through a lot of tough fights already, and this is not my first rodeo. This is his first rodeo, so it's going to be a lot of adversity through, uh, going through him as well. And I, I think that that pressure, and uh, once I start, you know, getting going, and once I start finding my my rhythm and my element, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, JoJo. I mean, you already fought Gary Russell Jr. That was your only loss, and that was an eye-opening performance for a lot of us. I think. I mean, Gary Russell is one of the most talented fighters in the sport. You were this close, especially down the stretch. And that was, like you said, not at your best weight. Now you have Rockamoff. And before the Rockamoff fight even happens, we've had Tevin Farmer crying <laughs> and fighting with you on social media for a lot of months now about the rematch he thought he was entitled to. In the end, you won out, right, with the legal situation there. What actually happened there? So uh, basically what happened was <clears throat> after the fight with the with the Tevin Farmer, we did have a rematch clause. But due to the pandemic... The rematch clause already was a, sh- a shared contract for myself. Um, I, you know, I, w- I was still getting B-side money and I was still, you know, not getting everything that I should deserve as a champion because I signed it previously before I was champion. Um, after that, the pandemic hit, um, you know, the contract ended up getting expired. Uh, I told my team and my new advisor, um, uh, MTK, that, you know, we can make the fight happen still. Uh, tell Eddie Hearn, tell, you know, Lou DiBella, we can make the fight happen still. But now that the contract is expired and now that it's already done and voided, we're not going to go based on those those agreements anymore. We're going to go based on, uh, you know, the new agreements and what I what I feel like is right. So um, I, I told him the I told him the offer and I told him that we can make the fight happen. But Tevin Farmer and them, they were trying to make it seem like, you know, they're still obligated to that that pay and obligated to that first contract where in reality it was already expired. And that fight, that, that contract's not going to, you know, matter anymore. 
Yeah, and Tevin's been very, very vocal on Twitter and Instagram about how you're ducking him, this and that, which I find odd. Obviously, you already beat him convincingly. And as a fight fan, I don't even want to see the rematch. It wasn't really all that competitive. And you had to contend with that really nasty gash over your eye from the headbutt. So why would we even want a rematch, right? That's a, that's that's why it's like stupidity, man. It, it gets me mad. And it, I, that's why I just, you know, try to avoid it as much as possible when I see him and Lou DiBala talking shit because... In reality, man, I beat the shit out of him. Even dealing with the adversity, I I took it to him, man. He, I really, you know, beat the brakes off of him, and I showed, you know, um, high skill and elite talent that night, and why I am I am champion. And <clears throat> like I said, man, I I, I would I will be willing to give him a rematch if that's what the five fans want to see. But the money got to be right, and everything got to be, you know, in my terms, and I got to be the A side now. It can't go based on that other sh- shitty agreement. Now now that a, sh- a shitty agreement's already expired, we got to go based on something else. And if that, that fight's going to happen, then we can make it happen. Yeah, JoJo, you keep referring to the uh, shitty agreement. And I know since that last fight happens, you left your former manager, Ralph Heredia, and now you're with MTK. And then Heredia and Moses Heredia responded by suing MTK. Like, what's, What was your reaction when you saw that lawsuit? My, uh, my, my reaction is just, you know... Um, I just try to, I just try to, you know, try to avoid it as much as possible. My main focus right now is, you know, dealing with Rocky Moff and dealing with my opponent. Um, all the lawsuits and all the other bullshit that's going on with my ex-manager, uh, that that all is all going to be taken care of. I'm not really even concerned about it. I'm not stressing about it. I have a good team and uh, good people behind me now that are taking care of me and that are for my best interests where I know that I'm going to be okay. So um, in the back of my mind, man, I'm not even stressing about it. My main focus right now is just, you know, getting the fights done and, you know, making making uh, the best and doing the best that I possibly can do inside that ring so that way I could get better opportunities outside and inside that ring. Yeah, JoJo, I mean, I had a conversation this last week with top-ranked uh, promoter Bob Arum, and he actually cited your connection to MTK Global as being a reason that, in addition to he had a lunch meeting not too long ago this last week with Oscar De La Hoya and said, look, there's we know about JoJo. We know that he, he holds a belt. We have a bunch of champions here, and we want to try to make these fights um, that will be you know the co-promoted fights that could include you against the likes of whoever it is, Burchell, Valdez, you know, Frampton, Herring, uh, all, all those other 130-pound champions. Do you, as a fighter... Do you like, um, are you a strong advocate to your promoter, to your manager to, you know, hey, let's try to get these uh, co-promoted fights? Or do you just leave it to them to try to get that business done? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, with my uh, new advisory team, I feel like now that um, I feel like the ball's on my court, I feel like I'm finally the the say-so and I'm finally the person that is, you know, dictating my career. I feel like before I kind of was, you know, always... Um, you know, questioning what was happening, always, you know, not knowing what was going to happen because I, I felt like, you know, there was a lot of hidden stuff being hidden behind my back. But now that I, you know, I got a new advisory team, I feel like Golden Boy Promotions is by my back and they're rocking with me now too. And I feel like, you know, um, my career is being led by me. And I want to, I want to fight, I want to fight, you know, uh, the champions at, at my weight. After this fight, <clears throat> that's what I wanted to do even before this fight was, you know, get a unification about with either Jamal Herring, Carl Frampton, or 
Oscar Valdez, Miguel Prachat, or even a a, a, <clears throat> a unification bout with even Gervonta Davis. I would love to yeah. go out there and, and fight Gervonta Davis as well. Um, so I had to, I have to take care of this mandatory first. The IBF ordered it. So once I get rid of this this mandatory fighter, I'm definitely going to be you know uh, looking to fight any one of those champions at my weight. Gervonta Davis, Miguel Prachat, Carl Frampton, Jamal Herring. Or Oscar Valdez, man. Like I said, I'm not afraid of anybody. I already been through uh, a lot of a lot of tough fights. Nobody, nobody is, you know, uh, is is able to get that fear in me, man. I, I just want to go out there and perform and, and and win and be the best at 130 pounds. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, if you can, and I think I know where you're going to rank yourself. But if you can assess your place in the division, let give me the top five according to uh, JoJo Diaz. Top five, I, I'm number one, man. I'm number one. I'm number one. Why? Why? 30 pounds, man. I feel like I, I beat, I beat a better, better names at, at <clears throat> better names than any other champions at my weight. And also I had tougher fights, man. And uh, I feel like the, that right there and that experience that I have makes me the uh, a, a better fighter all around and makes me have more knowledge inside that ring and more intelligence. And it's all going to show it's all going to show once I do fight these guys, man, it's going to, it's going to show when I do get the opportunity to fight these guys. That's why I'm, I'm really egging on and eager to, you know, face these champions because I know that I could beat them and I know what I have and I know what it takes to beat these guys. Um, after that, I feel like Gervonta Davis is the, the number two runner at 130 pounds, even though he fights, he fluctuates from 130 to 135. I think he's a very, very dangerous fighter. He's very elusive, and he's a very exciting and entertaining fighter. After that, I think um, Miguel Perchat is is a good fighter. If he could get uh, is the number three, if he could get past Oscar Valdez, uh, yeah. then I, I would say Jamal Her- Herring is the number four fighter. Got it. And then Roger Gutierrez. I forgot Roger Gutierrez. Oh, you like him that high? Yeah, Roger Gutierrez is number five. Yeah, and Rakamov is a good fighter. He's ranked by ranked in the top ten of the ring. This is a this is a worthy fight, like you said. But uh, we've seen some shady stuff with Rakamov. I think in his last fight in South Africa against Fuzili, there was like smelling salts before the knockout. Uh, what did you see in that video? Yeah, I seen uh, I seen Rakamov. He's he, he kind of uh, you know tested dirty his last fight, and uh, I, I don't know how he got away with it. I seen in the videos he was able he was able to sniff some salt. Um, before he knocked out his guy, uh, his opponent in the eighth round. And um, I, I heard too, what I heard in, uh, as well was that uh, they found some PEDs and a lot of stuff in, in his room as well. Um, but the, you know, the trainers and everything were saying that it wasn't his and that it was theirs and all that bullshit. But they ended up, you know, getting away with it. Um, and it just, you know, gets me mad and gets me angry that people, people do that just to, you know, in order to win, like if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to fight and if you're going to go in there, man, don't go, don't go out and fucking be a coward and, and cheat your way of, of victory, man. Both uh, fighters already are going through a lot, both physically and mentally, and they're already taking a lot of punishment in the head and in the body. There's no need to, you know, try to go out there and, and, hurt, and really, you know, significantly hurt another human being and them not be able to, you know, go home to the families or anything like that, just because you're not a better fighter and, and you just want to win. I think it's, I think it's cowardice and I think it's bullshit. And, um, I know for damn, I do know for damn well, he's not going to be doing this, that shit, this fight. And, um, 
we'll see if he has that power uh, that he has in his previous fights uh, come this fight without all that shit. Have you had VADA testing for this fight? We had VADA testing, and then uh, we also going to be doing some steroid testing uh, today and this week as well. So um, we'll make sure that uh, he's not going to be able to do any of that. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, Jojo, I mean, to, on that topic, I mean, I, I have a mailbag where readers will uh, ask me a bunch of questions, and one of them focused on how prevalent PED use is in this sport. Whereas I was saying, look, I feel like the testing is not exactly where it should be. It's it's getting there. I don't think like every guy is a, a PED user. And I, some of the uh, uh, fans were objecting to that point. How prevalent do you think PED use is in the sport? To be honest, man, I really, I really don't, I really don't know how many people do it because a lot of people are very, very, you know, smart with blinding it with, you know, IVs and, you know, taking extra vitamins to, you know, blind the shit that they're taking. So, I, I, I don't know. There might be a lot of fighters that are doing it, but there might be a lot of fighters that are doing it my way where, you know, I, 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 I want my success to be, you know, not, not given to me because I'm, I'm cheating or, or, or I'm getting easy fights. I want my success to be because I, I made my success and I curated it from my hard work and my determination and me going out there and, and doing what I got to do to, to be victorious and to be the person that I am and to be the champion that I am. So, um, to be honest, man, I really hope that there's not that many fighters that are doing that. I really hope that a lot of fighters are, you know, being clean to the sport and being clean to, uh, their opponents as well, man. Because like I said, boxing is already a dangerous sport. We get hit day in and day out in sparring and we take a lot of toe on our body. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not right that people go out their way to, you know, try to get that extra advantage. I know people do, do, you know, in every sport tries to get extra advantage, uh, you know, by doing strength and conditioning and stuff like that. But I mean, just do it the right way. Don't, don't do PEDs, man. It's, it's, it's not right. And I, I, I really don't condone it. Yeah. And look, this has been a long journey for you. You represented the U S in the 2012 Olympics. We've all been hearing a lot about you since then. Now you're a champion and this is going to be your first title defense ever. You're finally in the main event as the A side. Like, what does this all mean for you? Do you think you're going to be emotional on fight night? Oh man, I, I'm gonna try not to be emotional, man. But uh, once I, I I see you know my intro uh, my intro video coming out and I'm right there ready to walk out, I know I'm gonna be you know emotional. But it's gonna be you know an exciting emotion, uh, an anxious emotion, an emotion that all the hard work, everything that I've been through in my career, all the sacrifice, all the determination, everything that I I worked for paid off, and I'm here today defending my title for the first time live on the zone. And that right there just, you know, gives me goosebumps right now, man, knowing that it's just four or five days away where I'm, I'm going to be making my first title defense, man. And, um, I'm just very, very excited. And I'm just, um, very, very blessed that I'm living, you know, the life that I I've dreamed. And I, I can't wait to be there. I mean, this is honestly one of the best cards of the year so far action wise. I mean, Brian Castaño and Patrick Patrick Teixeira in the co-feature for the 154-pound title. Those are two brawlers who come straight forward. And then you and Rockamoff are both so pressure fighters. I can't see your fight being anything but a but a brawl. Um, how important is it to you, this this title you have as being one of the best action fighters in the sport? Do you need to get a knockout in an, in an exciting fight? 
I, I need to go out there and impress. Uh, I want to go out there and impress, and I want to go out there and showcase to everybody that I'm the best 130-pound fighter and that I'm the next superstar at 130 pounds, and I'm the next superstar in boxing. So uh, now that I'm the main event and now I, I, you know, I got the title around my waist, those are already checked off. Those are already checked off of my bucket list. Boom, boom, boom. Now one more check is just to go out there and, and win dominantly and win in spectacular fashion, and that's what I've been training my – whole entire camp for was, you know, really, you know, hurting this guy and showing this guy what I'm all about and showing the people what I'm all about as well. Obviously for Jojo, this is an 8 p.m. start Eastern time on the zone Saturday. Jojo, good luck. And we know that we, speaking of emotion, you have another reason to be emotional. That's the uh, first fight with your uh, child alive, right? Yeah, that's man, my something. Friend, yeah, that's, that's, that's why uh, I'm very excited as well, man, because my son is going to be there at the arena with my with my girlfriend and my wife uh I'm, I'm i'm very i'm very excited to you know uh have him there with me man because he's he's been there with me uh since the whole training camp watching me train and just it just brings me so much joy so knowing that i'm not only fighting for myself and fighting for my legacy any, uh, anymore i'm fighting for him and i'm fighting for his future and for a better life for his for he, for my son zenith and for my for my family that right there is more determination. So I just can't wait to go out there and perform Saturday night. One last question before we let you go, Jojo. We know you often post winning betting slips. We saw you post one for Tufima Lopez over Lomachenko, Super Bowl. Um, are you, is the streak going to continue? Are you betting on yourself? Oh, absolutely. The streaks can continue, man. I can't. I already bet on everybody else, man. I can, there's, there's no way I'm not going to bet on myself. I got to bet on myself. <laughs> can you say how much? It's going to be about like 30, 40 racks. <laughs> Love it. Extra motivation. Exactly. Extra motivation and extra money in the bank. Now, there you have it from Jojo Diaz, the 130-pound champion. Can't wait to see the fight Saturday on The Zone. And if you're not already, you could follow Jojo on Instagram and on Twitter at Joseph Diaz Jr. Thank you again, Jojo. All right, Lance, let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. Lance, what was your main takeaway from that? I mean, again, Mike, this is a guy who really is so um, sure of himself, and he's worked his way up to this level. I mean, that confidence has come through the dues that he's paid in the gym and the success that he's had yeah, in these fights along the way. I mean, this is a guy who's kind of grown into his comfort zone, you know, now becoming a parent. And look, I mean, I love I love the idea of, uh, of a guy saying that, you know, I, we, we're going to, I'm going to police the sport myself. You know, I'm not going to allow for PED usage in my fight. You know, it's unacceptable to bring that into uh, such a dangerous sport as boxing. And, you know, he takes on the, the issue of Tevin Farmer talking trash. He gives a, a, an answer right back to him to quiet him. And he lets it be known that he wants these fights that await him, you know, as top rank has all these, uh, all these great 130 pounders, you know, he wants his promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, to put him in the mix for these these fights, and I think this is exactly what we want to hear um, from a fighter of of Joseph Diaz uh, Jr.'s ilk. I mean, he's he's moving into the prime of his career, and he wants those fights. Could you imagine, Mike? I mean, you know who else is in the 130 pound division is Shakur Stevenson. So I mean, all these guys Oof. could uh, eventually be going at it. And it's going to be a great free for all. And I don't see a lot of these guys saying that they, they other than maybe Burchell, saying that maybe they're going to outgrow this division. So I think they're going to be here for a, a good time to come. 
Man, this division is one, easily one of the best in boxing, Lance. You I mean, you talk about Miguel Burchell, it's like you said, fighting Oscar Valdez on ESPN next week and what shapes up as a really, really good action fight. A week later, Carl Frampton and Jamel Herring. That's another action fight. I mean, that's that's the other important thing. These guys are not only are they quality fighters that are evenly matched, but these guys are come to fight. These are not guys that are dancing around in the ring. And I like that style too, as you know, but for, for most people, they want to see brawlers and guys that apply pressure. So Jojo, for me, he's a guy glance that kind of flies under the radar. No, you don't ever hear him talked about being one of the stars, but as he just showed us, this guy has a ton of charisma and he talks a lot of shit. And if he can get a knockout and, and, you know, keep performing in the ring, the kind of performance he had against Tevin Farmer, I don't see any reason why he can't rise to that level. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, you know what the uh, the most, one of the most telling things that he said, Mike, is that he bet on himself and he bet on himself in a big way. And I think that's what Joseph Diaz Jr. has done ever since he lost to Gary Russell uh, Jr. He's come back and said, you know, look, I'm going to demand uh, greatness out of myself. And that's what we've seen. And when you, uh, you know, like you said, it starts with with his fight on Saturday um, in, a, in a great card. And then it continues on with Burchelton Valdez, which how can that fight between these two Mexican neighbors fail to disappoint? And then, you know, with Jamel Herring, I mean, he's got a lot to answer to after, you know, his disappointing uh, uh, DQ victory over Okendo, where he seemed to back out, you know, after those uh, headbutts. And now he travels over to the UK to take on a very game, very tough Carl Frampton, who's going to bring the pressure. So look, this division right now is is primed to elevate itself into a, a level that you know it's going to be able to. You're going to be able to say that the 130 pound division is is uh, definitely can make a, a claim to be the the best in the sport, Mike. And I don't think that's blowing smoke. Yeah, I, I don't think so either, Lance. And also, we should point out. Jojo Diaz, as he said, he's with MTK now. This is going to be his first fight with MTK. Also with MTK are Carl Frampton and Jamel Herring. So you have to figure it should be pretty easy to have Jojo Diaz against the winner of that fight. And man, if Frampton's the one who wins, Frampton versus Jojo Diaz in Northern Ireland and Belfast over the summer will be huge. Oh my gosh. What did you make, Mike, of uh, speaking of MTK? Because I know that there's been a, a very interesting BBC report that has come out in the last week on uh, basically uh, one of the founders of that company, Daniel Kinahan. What did you make of the of the comment on from Jojo Diaz that his former manager Ralph Heredia is suing Kinahan and crew? Um, you know, based on um, losing Jojo Diaz. I mean, what a what a uh, a fight to take on, right? Yeah, I mean, um, if you look at the lawsuit, the details are pretty crazy. Uh, Ralph Heredia and Moses Heredia, Jojo's former managers. They actually named Kinahan in the in the lawsuit and went right after him. And they also uh, accused Kinahan of Rico and all this other stuff that they rolled into the lawsuit against him over the Jojo Diaz stuff. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. And in that BBC Panorama doc, they actually had the Heredia's manage um, lawyer, you know, speak out against it. So uh, Barry McGuigan, who lost Carl Frampton and Josh Taylor to MTK, and now the Heredia's coming after, uh, really coming strong. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, let me say this. I mean, I've been at the uh, Rancho Cucamonga uh, LA Fitness uh, many times with Ralph and seen Ralph Heredia in there. I mean, this guy is a very strong guy and a big weightlifter, but I think he's taken on a huge battle here. And it is going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out, Mike. Yeah, uh, we're going to see. Um, you know, we're going to see how it plays out, Lance. Definitely a crazy situation. Obviously, uh, in that documentary, Kinahan was accused of some serious stuff. Um, and now Heredia really coming out against them. 
So, Mike, look, as we look at the odds for these fights, I mean, uh, Jojo Diaz is lying increasing. And also, as we look at the uh, the challenger, Brian Castaño, standing as nearly a uh, basically a four to one favorite over Teixeira. What do you make of these odds? Yeah, Lance, um, Brian Castaño, he's, he's a really good fighter. I was really impressed with his draw against Arizona Lara. I think that was in 2019 now. Correct. It feels like it feels like years and years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was really good in that fight. He's a great pressure fighter, really strong on the inside, physical guy. I was also really impressed by his performance against Michelle Soro. I think that was in France. Mm-hmm. So um, look, Teixeira is a good fighter too. Very gritty guy. He showed a lot against Carlos Adamus when he won the title. But I'm going to go with Castaño. And, but if you want the value, I think with the value, you got to maybe throw a flyer on Teixeira. Because even though I think Castaño is going to win at nearly four to one favorite, I think the, I, I, I don't think he should be that much of a favorite. You know, I, I would have put him a little less. Um, Teixeira, Teixeira is a tough guy and, you know, it's going to be a war. I think they're going to be trying to grind each other out on the inside. It's going to be a war of attrition. We're going to see who's in better shape, whose will is greater. And, um, so, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think the move probably though is a parlay. I would parlay Jojo Diaz at the minus two twenty five with Castaño, and wow. yeah, um, maybe even go under the under on both fights. I do think we could get two knockouts, wow. especially a knockout in a Diaz fight. But I wouldn't be surprised if that line moved because of Jojo's big bet. He said he threw what fifty thousand dollars on himself. <laughs> maybe that helped move the line. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's something to say. Uh, uh, I would actually maybe take a flyer on Teixeira, Mike, to be honest with you, because, you know, let's be honest. I mean, when he fought Adamus, uh, he came in as like a, I wouldn't say a boogeyman, but a lot of people were definitely intimidated by him. And Teixeira stood in there and, and got the victory. And, and there's something about a guy who's pulled the upset. Now that no fear mentality is even stronger. So I'm not going to discount this guy, but let's be honest. One of the things that we know, especially with Jermel Charlo of PBC standing as a three-belt ba- three champion in that division, is that you know PBC desperately wants Castaño uh, to win this uh, uh, you know, cross-promotion fight and be able to uh, arrange a fight for our, all four belts uh, later this year. Right, Mike? Leyland's great observation. This is a rare PBC versus Golden Boy fight. Castaño with Al Heyman and to share with Golden Boy. And yeah, this is a really big fight for PBC because if Brian Castaño wins as expected, then you can later do this year, which would definitely happen, I'm sure. Undisputed title fight at 154 pounds between Jermel Charlo and Brian Castaño. So um, a lot riding on the line here. It's really going to be a, a, a strong zone card. And again, that starts at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern with the uh, the main event between uh, Diaz and, and Shevkat um, Rachmanov expected to go off at 8 p.m. Pacific and 11, 11 p.m. Uh, p- 11 p.m. Eastern, Mike. Um, Mike, uh, you know, we're, we're so lucky. We're going to be able to start adding a second show this week. And I know we're bringing in the, the guy who's fighting for the light heavyweight championship, Joe Smith Jr. on Thursday. What's your thoughts on uh, on his visit? And what what are, has been your observations on Joe Smith, the fighter, as he heads into this uh, Saturday ESPN card? Man, Lance, I, I think Joe Smith is one of the most improved fighters in the sport. I mean, this is not the same guy that even scored that big first-round knockout of Fonfara a couple of years ago. I thought he did a great job of using his jab against Alida Alvarez uh, over the summer in his biggest win to date. A really patient guy was using his feet well and that power jab set everything up. He, I mean, he, that was, that was a big statement victory for me stopping a leader Alvarez. Um, 
So I think Joe Smith is a much more sophisticated fighter now. He is no longer a brawler. This is a guy with some tools, and he's one of the strongest guys pound for pound in the sport, in my opinion, physically. Um, I mean, people forget, even though Dimitri Bivol dominated him, Joe Smith rocked him uh, in one of those rounds. I think it was late in the fight, and Bivol kind of was dazed walking to his corner, and he was probably lucky he had the minute to recover. So Joe Smith, great story, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does. All right, Lance, well, great show today. Thank you so much again to Joseph Diaz Jr. for joining us. We can't wait to talk to Joe Smith Jr. on Thursday as the Pug and Cop Boxing Show is now twice a week. And we look forward to you guys sending all of your mailbag questions on Twitter to me, at Mike Coppinger, and Lance, at Pug Boxing. Thanks again, everyone. And remember, please rate, subscribe, and review. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Pug and Cop. Thanks again.